Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But notice here in verse 18, the, the contrast now, we'll finish the end of the chapter here, but Samuel, but Samuel, underline but Samuel, because that's meant to be, uh, to draw a contrast with what we have already read. These men were evil, they were doing wicked things, and unfortunately we're going to hear more about them, but Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's teaching. Our teaching today begins with the comparison of Eli's sons and Samuel. As bad as Eli's sons were, Samuel was different. We can say that this is why God raised up Samuel, because of the corruption of Eli's sons. God knew how bad Eli's sons were, so he guided the whole series of events that resulted in Samuel's service at the tabernacle. If Eli's sons were not worthy successors, then God would raise up someone else. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we uh, a couple of weeks ago we looked at Hannah's prayer. We won't be covering that again tonight, but I would like to read verses 12 through the end of the chapter and just kind of read it in context, and then we'll go back and we'll begin in verse 18 as we look at Samuel's childhood ministry. So let's just pick up right here at verse 12 within the chapter. And again, this is after Hannah uh, prays to the Lord, and after the Lord gives her a child. And so she, uh, this is really a, an act uh, of worship to her. She is uh, overwhelmed, obviously, by the gift of a son, which she'd been praying for because she was barren for so many years. And remember, Elkanah had two wives, Penina. And Hannah, Hannah was barren, but Penina was um, very prolific, and she was having children left and right. And Penina was rubbing it in the nose of Hannah and just making her feel even worse. Uh, and as you remember, uh, being barren in that culture, it was a sign of God's chastening you or somehow, you know, God's judgment of you. It wasn't a good thing to be, to be a woman in those days um, and being barren. And so Penina knew this and was constantly rubbing Hannah's nose in it and to, to, the, to the point where Hannah began to even stop eating and was in such pain inside and distraught and brokenness. And uh, if you've ever had a, a deep pain in your life where you, you really didn't care about eating, you know, have you ever been that despondent about something? Maybe it was someone in your life that you lost 
you know, something significant in your life happened. It just it brought you right to a screeching halt, and it just brought you to your knees, crushing blows. You, you understand. And so that's kind of where she was at. But the Lord provided for her to have a child, and she dedicated Samuel, that first child of hers, back to the Lord. And so, but, and then she brought him up to Shiloh, which, if you remember, in Joshua chapter 18, when the children of Israel were coming through the uh, promised land, or, or going on their way to the promised land, I'm sorry, in their desert wanderings. Um, it says in Joshua 18 that finally they, they set up the tabernacle in Shiloh, and it was in Joshua 18 where they finally just kind of said, you know, this is where it's going to be, and it, it was there for quite a long time. And this is where Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were ministering, probably with other priests perhaps. Um, and this is where the children of Israel will come up every year, sometimes two or three times a year, and they would worship the Lord there. And Hannah brings her firstborn son. She basically lends him to the Lord. She said she made the promise that, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you all the days of his life, and he'll, be, he'll take the Nazarite vow. In other words, he won't drink any, anything or eat anything with grapes. He won't drink wine or grape juice. He won't cut his hair. He won't touch the dead, those kinds of things. He'll be, have a life that's consecrated to the Lord. And, and so she put that vow upon him, and that's the way he lived for the rest of, her, of his life. So she brings him up there, but there's, right about this time, the mood changes. Everything seems happy and joyful. She's got a son. She's taken him up, fulfilling her vow. And then we strike a minor chord because we read of what is in verse 12. And let's read that. And we're going to read from here down to the rest of the chapter. It says, Now the sons of Eli, Eli, again, was the high priest there at the time. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They were literally sons of Belial, uh, the King James, if you have that. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. And then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. And so they did in Shiloh to, and so they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. And also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the men who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, and he would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Sounds like some really great spiritually good spiritual men. If you, don't give it, if you don't give it volitionally, we're just going to take it by force. Wow, what awesome guys. Therefore, the sin of the men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Never get in the way of somebody's worship of the Lord. You know, that, that was what we looked at last week, among other things. But, you know, never get in the way of somebody's worship of the Lord. You know, and even when we gather together like this, you know, even when we worship and singing, we know worship is just one facet of worship. And sometimes it's not all that great of a sacrifice, you know. Sometimes you're in a good mood and you come in and, you know, the Lord doesn't have a problem with that, you know. Some forms of worship, especially singing, is usually pretty easy, except when you're not having a good day. And all of you have had bad days. And you come in from work, you come in from wherever you're coming in from, and you sit down here and maybe you've just hurried and got through dinner quickly. Maybe you've had a really tough day, and now you're singing. And in your heart, you're just like, you know what, Lord? I, I, don't, I just want to sit and listen to the, the word being taught. I don't, I don't even want to open my mouth. I, just don't, I don't even want to sing. And it is a sacrifice of praise, isn't it? 
when we finally get out of ourselves and, you know, about the second or third song, your heart starts to open up. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to sing to you. And, you know, that's a real sweet sound to the Lord when you do that. Trust me. I think sometimes it takes a couple of songs for us to kind of get into a place where we can finally open up and worship the Lord. And, you know, it's a good thing. And, and let your heart go there. Get, try to get out of yourself as much as possible because the more you dwell on the things of your own life and, and the things that are maybe dragging you down that day, the worse off you're going to be. The, the secret, I think, to our Christian life is to, uh, as much as possible, get out of ourselves. Don't think about yourself too much. Sometimes the best thing to do when you're really roiling with pain and agony, you know, certainly go to the Lord and cry. You know, get on your knees and, 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 and cry. You know, some people don't think they can do that, but, you know, that's, a, that's worship. You're bringing your heart before him, all your feelings. There's nothing he can't take. I mean, you can be as dreadfully honest and painful as you want with the Lord. He can take it. He's got really big shoulders. There's nothing you can tell him that's going to scare him. After all, doesn't he know all things anyway? He does. He's omniscient. You can't fool him, so you might as well just come out with it. Tell him everything that's on your, on your heart. And you know, when you do that, it honors him, and it blesses his heart to hear from his child that he already knows what's going on, but the fellowship that that brings him in with you is priceless. And you are going to have a connection that you can't quite understand, but it's going to affect you, I promise you, and it's going to open you up even more and more. So I want to encourage you to do that, but never get in the way of people's worship. Whatever it may be, in, in money, in singing, in service, whatever it may be, it's important. But notice here in verse 18, the, the contrast now, we'll finish the end of the chapter here, but Samuel, but Samuel, underline but Samuel, because that's meant to, be, uh, to draw a contrast with what we have already read. These men were evil, they were doing wicked things, and unfortunately we're going to hear more about them. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, notice what Eli, this compromised priest, would say. The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. And then they would go to their own home. And notice, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, the woman that was barren, now after she had followed through with her act of worship, giving the very thing that was most important to her, she gave it to the Lord for his service. And also, by the way, to be a, hopefully a, a, an encouragement and a witness to Eli's sons, who were wicked men. And this is a young boy. He's probably five years old, and these guys are probably teens or older. Right? In their 20s, late teens, early 20s, perhaps. And so Eli said, um, and, then they would go, and then the Lord visited Hannah, and, and notice what the Lord does as a result of that. He, she conceives and she bears three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, and I love this, meanwhile, while all this is happening, while she's just having child after child, probably every year she's having a child. Who knows, maybe she had triplets. Maybe she had uh, twins the next time. We don't really know. Maybe she had quintuplets. That'd be interesting. Don't really know. But meanwhile, while all this is happening, Samuel's up there in Shiloh. He's actually about 20, 25 miles south from Ramah. He's down there, and he is ministering to the Lord. And meanwhile, 
their parents about 20, 25 miles to the north up in the mountain regions of Ephraim. They're up there. And can you imagine what's going through Hannah's mind every single day she's praying for her son, wondering how he's doing. You know, that's a long trip. Even 25, 20 to 25 miles, you can't take that lightly because the terrain was very treacherous. It wasn't easy. And depending on the weather, you know, there's rainy seasons. There's uh, wadis, they call them, flash floods. These kinds of things happen even today. And so it wasn't uh, an easy thing just to, you know, hop in the car and, and drive down and see him for the day, have lunch with him, and then come back home. You know, it was a, it was a bigger deal than that. So... Now Eli, verse 22, was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the people, the Lord's people, to transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father, because the Lord desired to kill them. There's an interesting phrase. The Lord desired to kill them. Boy, the news at 11. And the children and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with Lord and men. With the Lord and men. And then, and then a man of God, we don't even know who this is, unnamed servant, came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, that's never a good sign. When you have uh, somebody come up to you and says, Thus says the Lord, you better go run. (laughs) Or just stand and listen and just take it on the chin. He says, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all of the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house, and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men who I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, Please, put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. So here we have these, uh, these young men whose sin had become very great. And because Eli, the father, did nothing to dissuade them, And because they weren't listening, 
especially the father. The father wasn't listening. He's the head. He's supposed to be the one. And God was probably trying to speak to the sons. They wouldn't listen. So he goes to the father. The father is not listening. And know this, that if we're not listening to the Lord, sometimes the Lord can and does bring others to us to tell us things that we need to hear. Now, you have to be very careful. If you're that person who is sent to somebody, you'd better make sure that it's from the Lord. You better be in prayer for your own heart, especially if it's something hard to say. Make sure you have the heart of God before you go to somebody and be in prayer about it. Be broken before you go. And you know what? When you are, they will receive it in such a way where they'll know that you're doing it really out of a heart of love and compassion. You're not coming just to judge them. Do you know the difference? When somebody comes to you and they're just wanting to just, you know what, the Lord told me that because of what you did, you know, and they're just, they're just leveling you and you're just like hamburger, you know. And then somebody comes up and says, you know what, I need to, when you have time, I'd like to speak to you just for a little while. Can I come speak to you? When it's, let me know when is the right time and maybe we can talk. And then you talk with them and you, you pray with them and you, you, you assure them of your love for them, your care for them. And I tell you what, when you, the candor in which you do it and the spirit in which you do it changes everything. And it could change, it could be the difference between whether that person becomes softened and changes or hardened and angry. And it all has to do with us, the person who is sent. And so this is what happens. Let's go back to verse 18. Notice the difference here. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child. Um, But Samuel. You know, I said underline that because there is a difference. There's, there's supposed to be drawing a contrast again between these sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, with Samuel. Some think that only the smart and the wise and the professional can serve the Lord, but here it explicitly states that Samuel ministered to the Lord as an adult, no, as a child. As a child. Are you serving the Lord with your kids? Or are you encouraging them to serve the Lord, even at a young age? And there's very simple ways you can do that, you know, even here in the church. You know, after a church service, there's always things to do. There's always things to be picked up. There's always toilets to clean, always vacuum, you know, floors that need to be vacuumed, windows that need to be cleaned. And, you know, think about that. And we also have other ministries like the Father's Heart where, you know, Russ Loria, he encourages people to come out, Christians to come out. As they minister to people and give them food, there's always the gospel to be shared. Sometimes it's just sitting and listening and being an ear to somebody who has, you want, they, they have a story to tell and, they, you know, they don't need to necessarily be preached at that day. Maybe you just need to be an ear that somebody can, you know, speak to you. Maybe you should speak something. Maybe you shouldn't. You'd be led by the Spirit. Your kids, they can help. They can hand out the plates. There's little, little jobs that they can do. And all these things are important. And we have to set the example. But notice, he was a child. Even a child could serve in the tabernacle that was set up there in Shiloh. I'm sure he started off with little small tasks, you know. Maybe Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, maybe he would just run and grab a couple things of wood, you know, for the, for the altar. You know, maybe his job would just be to grab the wood and bring it in. You know, whatever his job was, it was age appropriate for him. He could do it. And I'm sure he got such a charge out of serving the Lord. And, and hopefully Eli and those two men were encouraging him at that age. And saying, hey man, that's great, you know, thank you. This is why it's important, because people are coming, and what you bring is important. You've got to bring the fire. There's sacrifices, things of worship that need to go on here. And so, 
And notice that he, he wore a linen ephod. Remember that Samuel was a Levite. His parents, Elkanah and his mother, Hannah, were Levites. They were from the tribe of Levi. So Samuel was a Levite, and he wore a linen ephod. And in Exodus chapter 28, it really lays out the different garments and the different articles of clothing that not only the high priest would wear, but also the other priests. And I love what it says there in verse 19. It says, moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe. And that literally is a tunic. And if you read in um, uh, Exodus 28, uh, beginning in verse 40, we won't go there, but um, it talks about the, the, the design of the tunic. And it's basically a sleeveless garment that reached uh, from up here, and it would be sleeveless, down to his knees, and it would go under the ephod. So the ephod would come over the top of it. And so as he would grow, can you imagine his mother? You know how kids grow? He's five years old, probably. We don't know how old he is at this point. Very young. And his mother... Every year when she would come to make that trip to Shiloh, she would bring a little bit larger size. You know, maybe started off with a 2.5. Next year, she brings a 3.5. The year after that, she brings a 5, then a 7, then a 9, and then a 12. And every year she comes and she gives him this new thing. And can you imagine the joy in her heart as she's sewing that thing and she's thinking about him? So year by year, she, when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, she would bring up this. And Eli, notice verse 20, would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. And then they would go down to their home. Notice, even in his compromise, this man, this Eli, this priest, that he prayed to God and God answered God answered his prayer. We'll see that in the very next verse. We've already read it, but in verse 21, it tells us what it is. But we'll wait until we get there. You remember what it was. But notice, this is not the first time, but this is actually the second time that this compromised high priest said something to Hannah that God had answered. This is the second time that God had answered Eli's prayer, even in his own compromise. The first time was when, in, in, chapter, uh, in chapter 1, uh, verse 17, remember when Hannah was heartbroken before she had Samuel, she went into the tabernacle and she's just pouring her heart out and she's moving her lips and... Eli makes a wrong judgment of her, thinking that she was drunk. And, and basically she says, you know, I'm, I'm a woman of sorrow. You know, I, I've been praying something for the Lord. And notice what Eli says to her, and this is his prayer for her. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And that's exactly what happened. God did answer the prayer. Isn't that a mystery? I find that a mystery. I find it a mystery how somebody could be a television evangelist and completely... Um, void of God and just in it for the money <laughs> and, and maybe even living a dual life and, and this happens and yet millions of people are on television watching them and there's a little elderly woman in uh, you know, some little small town in Wyoming she's watching the program and she gets saved <laughs> isn't it amazing? God can use anything He'd much rather use a priest that is sold out to him, a man of God who has integrity with God and his heart is right with God. He would certainly rather use that, but God's arm is not shortened. It's not lax. He can do anything. But notice, in verse 20, he says, The Lord give you descendants. 
He said that to Elkanah and his wife and Hannah. The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that she was given to the Lord. And I can... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.